You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Our reading today is again from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If I just want to cut you off, um, if about halfway through this, you say, wait, that sounds familiar. Didn't we do that last week? It's exactly what we read last week. Um, so just say amen again with me as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 22. Paul writes, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am, for I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God... I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. This is the word of the Lord. While reflecting on the story in this passage this morning and this weekend, there was a word that came to my mind. I wonder today what would come to your mind when you hear the word. You've already heard it this morning. Um, 
But the word that came to my mind as I was thinking how to even set up where we need to go since we preached on this text last week and what is the good news this week? And this word came to my mind. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I'm going to do something today that, that I said I'd never do, but you'll understand it in a minute. But the word that came to my mind is the word marvel. So I wonder what comes to your mind. I bet I know what comes to our minds more often when we hear the word marvel today in 2022. It is most likely regarding the Marvel Universe. If you don't know what the Marvel Universe is, you probably know what Iron Man and Captain America and those people are. A fictional universe that has grown into a multi-billion dollar story that is told across the theaters, in the homes and on our, our devices, these movies have been overwhelming at the box office because they are stunning. They are stirring. They do cause the viewer to sort of step to the edge of their seat and go, ooh, this is something that heightens my imagination. These movies developed by taking fictional stories written and published in comic books for the last 80 years. You think 80 years, that's a long time to be telling a story, right? And they are stories that aren't just about one superhero, but there are multiple superheroes in the Marvel universe. Many of the heroes you've never heard of, how many of you grew up wanting to be the Armadillo or 3D Man or Plant Man? They're all in there. I know some of you are buying your kids costumes for Frogman. No, we've never heard of those, but you know who we have heard of? The incredible Hulk. The amazing Spider-Man. The fantastic four. Doctor, like that's a strange word to put in there with the other ones. But these descriptions, incredible, amazing, fantastic, strange. There's even a Miss Marvel or a Captain Marvel. These are just a few dramatically named characters of the 7,000 plus characters in the Marvel Universe. Many more sub-characters. Marvel seems like a good name when you actually think about the Incredible Hulk, the amazing Spider-Man, fantastic for strange doctor doing weird things. I mean, that's kind of a, a good name. They are indeed marvelously fiction. And I should tell you these stories are fiction. You know that, right? I mean, they are indeed fiction. Yet we still marvel at Marvel. What does Marvel mean? Marvel, to be filled with wonder and astonishment. They have built an industry, made billions of dollars, leading people to marvel at storylines of the sensational. These movies work 
because they tell the made-up dramatic stories of these made-up dramatic characters in such a way that they astound us. Their heroics, their power, their strength, it's all marvelous. It stirs up arguments. Who's better? It creates conversations. Which superhero trait would you like to have? Which is better, Captain America or Iron Man? That debate still goes on in my house. I'm right, but that's okay. The rest of the sermon, y'all are going to be wondering. It's fun. It, I have watched many of these stories. I've been stirred by these stories. Iron Man's better, by the way. But I, I, want, you, I want you to consider with me something that is astounding. There's a story that is well older than 80 years old. And it is more incredible, more fantastic, more amazing, and even more strange than the Marvel Universe. Consider with me and marvel with me this story that Paul is closing out his letter to Corinth with. I propose there is nothing more detrimental to the church than the reality that the church has stopped marveling at the majesty of Jesus Christ. We just don't marvel at it anymore. We don't care. It's like, oh, we've heard this story since we were Grace Kids age. Paul is bringing his letter to a close here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he's closing with what he said in verse 3, that this, I'm passing on to you what is of most importance. Remember last week we, we saw that that phrase literally means the, the message, the story that is of the highest rank, the best story to tell, the best news to tell is this story. People were doubting that the dead in Christ were raising and so he uses the opportunity to bring home the greatest story of all time and the good news is this, that Jesus died for our sins and Jesus rose for our life. It's something to marvel at. The news of Jesus' resurrection was difficult to believe. It's strange. It's amazing. It's incredible. It doesn't make sense. This news seems too marvelous to believe because it's a weird story. It's never happened. So Paul gives a defense of or an explanation for this greatest story of all time. And so I want us to look again at this good news and I want us to marvel at Christ. So we're going to answer, we're going to look at what Paul's doing here. We're going to ask the question, what if Christ did not rise from the dead? What if he didn't raise again? We're going to see was there any proof of life? And then thirdly, we're going to close with, if it's true that he did rise again, what does Christ's resurrection mean for us? It's a lot to get in, right? What if Christ did not rise? This is what Paul's addressing in verses 12 through 19. He's the, the, the false doctrine being spread at the time is that the 
that, that are dead in Christ were not raising with Christ. So he addresses it that way. But here's what he says. He says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then he gets into his, what if it's not true? What if he didn't rise from the dead? Verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses about God because we've testified wrongly about God, that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If you have put, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. What if Christ have not raised from the dead? First of all, if he has not raised from the dead, Jesus is a liar. He is not the Savior and the Messiah if he did not raise or rise from the dead. We look in Matthew chapter 16. There's three accounts in Matthew that we see where Matthew records that three times Jesus said he's going to be handed over, he's going to be killed, and he's going to die, and he's going to rise from the dead. The first one is in Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Three things he said are going to happen. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be handed over and killed, and I'm going to raise from the dead. In Matthew 17, he records the, a second account where Jesus says this. As they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed in the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. And they were deeply distressed. Then in Matthew 20, he records the account again. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests, the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, to be flogged, and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. We see in this text, in all three of these texts, three things that Jesus said is going to happen. And I would say that even if Jesus got two of the three right, but he failed to get that last piece right, then there's no good news. It would be easy to predict as the disciples are hearing this. It'd be easy to hear um, okay, Jesus, the way you're talking, the way you're preaching, the way you're leading, I can see that when we get there, they're not gonna like it. They're gonna arrest you. I, I could see that happening. Okay, secondly, they're gonna kill me. Okay, I can see that happening. The way you're talking, we've seen how the Romans act. We see what they do to people that are opposed to them, that try to rise up against them. I can see how they would interpret what you're doing to be that. I can see that. But somehow... 
they kind of just forgot the third part whenever the actual crucifixion happened. They mourned, they wept, they, they gathered in disbelief. The promise to defeat death is the part that makes all of it the good news. And if Jesus didn't do all three of those, then Jesus would be a liar, not a savior. And if he's a liar and not a savior, then first of all, the gospel is false. It means there's no good news. If the resurrection is false, then the words of Jesus are false. And then the good news concerning Jesus, connected to Jesus, are all false. We would, in fact, need to cancel Jesus. Almost all of his promises, all of his statements, because the main thing he was saying was this. And if he was not raised from the dead, then he's a liar. That means the gospel would be false. That means the disciples and the followers of Christ are also liars. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 14. Christ had not been raised again. Then our proclamation, what we're proclaiming that Jesus did, what he's done for you, what he is doing, how he reigns, it's all a lie. It's in vain. It doesn't make sense if Christ has not been raised Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For Paul and those who understood what it meant to be a false witness about God, that was an indictment. So not only is it not good news that they would be sharing, it's pathetic news. It's bad news. It would be, it would be leading people away from God if it were a lie, Right? So first of all, if Christ did not rise from the dead, Jesus would be a liar. Secondly, Jesus would still be in the tomb. And what Paul's making the point here, so would everyone else. In verses 16 through 18, it's what he's saying. If Christ weren't raised, then no one was raised. He would be in the tomb and everybody that we loved, everybody that we cherished would be in the tomb. And we know that he's not in the tomb and he rose to life because there's not one of the followers that had the courage or the ability to go against the Romans at that time because they witnessed what the Romans did to Christ and through crucifixions. There's no way that they're trying to finagle the Roman army to steal a body. No, he rose from the dead, but if he didn't rise, he'd still be in there, but he wasn't in there. And so not only would Jesus still be dead, 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 so would everyone that you've ever grieved over. There would be no point to playing one song at any funeral, ever. What would be the point? There would be no expectation to see our loved ones again because there would be no thought of eternity because who is there that could win eternity for us if Christ is a liar and if Christ were still in the tomb? 
the news would not be good news and there would be nothing to marvel at. Jesus would be a liar. He'd still be in the grave. Jesus would be a liar, so would we. He'd still be in the grave, so would we. But also our faith would be worthless. That's what Paul says in this text. Your faith, what does it mean for your faith to be worthless? Your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins if Christ has not been raised. This means we would be unforgiven. The sin that you were most ashamed of, that you found freedom in when it came to the good news of the gospel, that sin still is on you. The sin that you committed last night, the sin that, that you might commit this week, it's, it will remain on you. It will remain your identity. Your identity would not be free, citizen of heaven, child of God. It would be sinner, enemy of God. Because your faith in God would be worthless if Christ were still in the grave. There'd be no hope at funerals, and what Paul says here, we would be the most pitiful people of all time. What does he mean by that? If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Well, think with me of the cost of following Jesus. Think with me about the losses that we endure by following Jesus. Some will lose families because they followed Jesus. Some will lose jobs. They will lose influence. They will have lonely weekends. They will lose, not have a bed to sleep on. They won't have money to build their life on. They will even lose their own life for following Christ. In fact, going back to Matthew 16, Right after he told them, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again. Here's what he says in verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? And listen to this. He doubles down. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what has been done. Yes, that's good news because we know he lived. But if he didn't rise from the dead, that's a lie. We are following it. We're denying ourselves. We're taking up crosses. We're following and we're waiting for this reward that will never come. Pitiful. Think of the pain of giving your life to follow Jesus. Think of what it means to take up your cross. They knew what that meant. Think of all that you've denied yourself because you want to follow Jesus. If we endure all the pain, 
We deny ourselves all the pleasure, all for a lie. How pathetic. How pitiful would we be? We'd be the laughing stock. We deserve to be the laughing stock. We would rightly deserve all the ridicule, all the mocking, all the shaming. Imagine the preaching that's always been about repenting, turning away from self-destructive behaviors, from going after all the money you can, all the sex you can, all the things that you can acquire. Turn away from all of that so that you can come to Jesus. What would the sermons be like? What would we repent to if there were no risen Christ? If repentance is turning away from something, going to something else, then what would we be turning to? Who would be better than the high that we get from this drug? What would be better than our most horribly imaginative lust fulfilled? What would be greater than all the riches, Jesus says, uh, going after the world? There's no one to compare it because Jesus is dead. If Christ lied, there would be no reference to what is holy and good. There would be no red letters in any copy of Scripture. The losses and the crosses would never be worth it if Christ did not rise from the dead. This is why this news is the highest ranking news. This is why it's good news because Jesus did rise from the dead and that's what uh, Peter is saying here in this text that he rose from the dead and there is good news. In fact, Peter's saying, I can prove it. There is proof of life. He rattles off all the people that Christ appeared to. As if to say to the Corinthian church, we're not pitiful. We're not pitiful. We're beautiful. We're, we're telling the message that you too can be grafted into the story of the one who's conquered everything. We can celebrate. We can hope. We can live with boldness and courage because there's proof of his life. He is not in the grave. Therefore, he is not a liar. Neither are we. Our faith is not useless. This is what Paul wants the Corinthians to know. This is what I want us to know, that because of the resurrection, first of all, this means for us, Jesus is true. He's not a liar. He is who he said he is. He is Savior. He is King. He is Lord. He is Messiah. He is the Lamb that took on our sins. He, his name must be revered. It must be held in the highest ranks of the highest ranking names of all time instead of slurred as a cuss word. Jesus is true, which means for us, the news that we share is indeed good. It's good news. It's not 
ordinary news. It's not just some news of some comic book that we can kind of piece together with cool looking graphics. No, this is a story that is true. This is a news that is good. This means the disciples' message is true and the hundreds of witnesses and those who know him now. This means faith in Christ matters. Skip on down with me to verse 21 and 22. Paul says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Who are these men? Verse 22, for just as in Adam, all die. What does that mean? Most of us know this because we're human. We came from Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned. They defied God. The curse of life now meant that we will someday die. The curse of sin came, and that meant everyone who was born of Adam, born of Eve, would also die. This is what's beautiful about the virgin birth, is that Jesus did not come through Adam. Through Adam, there's death. But in Christ, who did not come through Adam, because he is alive, those of us in Christ will be alive. Just as those of us who are in Adam will taste death, we know death, we know sin, all of sin, falling short of the glory of God, because we're in Adam, those of us who have faith in Christ will live. Faith in Christ matters because Christ rose from the dead. That means we can be forgiven. This accentuates what he says in verse 3 and 4 is the most important news, that Christ died for our sins. I don't know about you, but when I think of the depths of the sins that I have done, when I think of how deep in the sin I could go on my own. And when I think that Jesus Christ died to cover that, to think that even I could be forgiven, I can stand here like Paul who said, he's the least of the apostles. Why? Because he did things that you would never do. He actually killed people or oversaw the death of people. And if God's grace can cover Paul, God's grace can cover Jason, God's grace can cover you because he rose. You can be forgiven. And there is life that we now have in Christ, which means we are not pitiful but glorious. This is marvelous news. We are promised glorified bodies when we rise with him. We are promised in that Matthew 16, verse 27 text that rewards await us. The losses and the crosses are worth it. Not for our best life right 
now, but for what happens when we rise again and we get to be with him for heaven for eternity. There's no one can take that from us. Why? Because it's stamped by the resurrection of Christ. Jesus rose from the dead. He is not a liar. Our faith in Christ really does matter. Oh, and there's one more thing that the risen Lord proves when he rose from the dead. Jesus' rising from the dead means that Jesus is proven to be stronger. Stronger than what? Well, remember when he said, these are the people that I'll be handed over to. The first ones he said, there were religious people. Jesus proved that he is stronger than any religious control. They were jealous. They were scared. They were nervous of him. They were out of control. They partnered with their enemy, Roman officials. They accused the innocent. They slapped the peacemaker. They insulted the author of life. They stirred the mob up against him. When Christ died, they intended to prove to all the people that they were stronger, that they should be listened to, that they should, the people should marvel at them. But when Christ rose from the dead, he proved to be the Messiah, the only one worthy of marveling. He's not only stronger than the religious leaders both then and today, he's stronger than all authorities both then and today. Pilate could not figure him out. So what did he do? He flexed his Roman muscles at him. Pilate allowed his ruthless soldiers to mock him, to abuse him, to taunt him him, jeering him, putting a sign above him, mocking him, saying, this here lies the king of the Jews. King Herod couldn't gain from him, so he mocked him and then dismissed him, sort of yawning, being bored at who Jesus was, as if to say, he is meaningless, I'm the king. When he died, I pictured that they applauded their royal thrones as they understood themselves at that moment to be the strongest. But Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He appeared to some and he sits at the right hand of the Father proving to be the king of all kings. Not just Pilate, not just King Herod, but every politician today, every president that's ever been, every king that's ever been in Asia and Europe that's at war with each other now, there is one who sits on the throne who's stronger. And if our grace kids were here, I would say he's stronger than Thanos. Who killed Thanos? I'm just saying... Iron Man killed this. <laughs> because he rose from the dead, we know and we know and celebrate the strength that he is stronger than religious 
authorities. He's stronger than political, worldly authorities. And Jesus, our Savior, is stronger than death and sin. He is our Savior. So that's why Paul says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. What he's saying is I have heard and I have seen and I marvel that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures and he appeared to hundreds of people. Corinthian church, Grace Salado, there's good news. There is one who is marvelous. And we should never, ever, ever get over it. We should never, ever stop marveling. Has it grown cold to you? One of the things I love being in this area is the opportunity to, when I was in college and now, even now, to see sort of the expectations of what happens at the Easter pageant at UMHB. We got some college students here and they were involved with that. It was really cool. And every year, there's this thing that we celebrate every year. Anybody that's ever talked about the Easter pageant, known about the Easter pageant, and that's what? That it never what? It rains. It never cancels. UMHB, other than COVID stuff. Anyway, it never can't, like, it's, it's always going to happen. And that's cool. That should not stun us more than the story that it tells. Son of God came to die for you. He gave his life. Good news part one. They killed him, good news part two, so that you don't have to be killed. They killed him. But good news part three is he is stronger than death. Oh, may we never be more intrigued with our political leaders, our athletes, our pop stars, our musicians, or even fictional stories that are strange, amazing, fantastic, and incredible, there is one who is supremely worthy. And on this day, I pray that you join me in living your life, giving your life to marvel at him. Let's pray. Father, hallelujah that you so loving so generous, so full of both justice and love that you exercised your plan to be consistent as just and loving by sending your son to die for us. But also, you've proven yourself to be supreme, that Christ rose from 
the dead. Securing for me a faith, securing for us a hope, securing for us a place to go and dwell with you forever. There is nothing more marvelous than that story because there is no one more worthy to marvel at. Jesus, you are stronger then and you're stronger still. Convince us of this on a Monday, on a Wednesday, on a Friday night when we're alone and everybody else seems like they're chasing the world and they're doing whatever they want to do. Lord, convince us you're stronger. You're better. You're worth it. I love you. Thank you for loving us so much. Jesus' name.